0: Join the angels, singing glory to God in the high Join the angels, shouting peace on earth, goodwill to me. It's been a long time coming, but he's the one we waited for, yeah. So join the angels and praise the Lord. Lord, thanks so much for a chance to open your word now and to uh, be reminded Of what the angels sang, it should be our song uh, as we uh, live this life in uh, service to you. Uh, Father, for those of us who don't know you yet, I pray that today we are um, brought to uh, a level of awe for you that uh, leads us to just not wanting to leave here without knowing you through your son Jesus Christ. But for those of us who sit here and we've been blessed with that relationship uh, with you through our faith in Jesus, would you lead us, God, uh, through this text uh, to living a, a life inspired by you, fueled by you, and fueled by our worship of you. As always, God, I'm going to say some things today. I pray that there are things that you are saying through me. Uh, get me out of the way and speak in my place. As we take this offering, I pray it's just an act of worship that we give, not because we're supposed to. We give because we get to, because you're worthy. Uh, so use these offerings, God, as uh, we as a church seek to glorify you here and around the world. Uh, give us a great morning together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You like the tree? Yeah, that's a honker back there. I, uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm celebrating Christmas at our house a little earlier than we normally do. Who, who puts the, tr- the trimmings up, the Christmas stuff up like Thanksgiving or the week of? Or, who's got it up right now? Anybody got the Christmas stuff up? Who's gonna put it up like Christmas Eve? Anybody gonna do that? <laughs> we're, we're more in that direction. Uh, we, we aren't uh, super uh, decorator holiday people. And so uh, this year is kind of unique. I I, uh, woke up Black Friday morning, and I was looking at some of the ads in the paper, and I saw one at Lowe's for a Christmas tree. We've we've been about 10 or 12 years with our fake Christmas tree, and fake Christmas trees start to kind of thin out and look a little nasty. And so I saw one for sale, and I drove to Lowe's, and uh, you'll be happy to know I got the Christmas tree, and on Thanksgiving, or the day after Thanksgiving Day this year, the Christmas tree was up in the Saunders household. Thank you very much. Now, oh, thank, oh, that's so nice of you. It's not decorated. We may or may not get around to that. I kind of like it with just the lights, just to be honest with you. It's pretty cool. Uh, but the, this season comes around every year, and we do the same kind of crazy stuff. We take, you know, every, anybody ever thought about this? You take trees from outside, and you bring them inside, right? And then you take lights from inside, and you put them outside. It's kind of wacky that way. We do some really weird things. But for those of us in the church, for those of us uh, who follow Christ, we, we know uh, the, the, the trimmings and all of the festivities, which are great. Uh, They're not the point. We celebrate this season every year uh, because uh, a miracle happened. Uh, God, in his grace and mercy and love for us, provided us a way to be connected to him. Uh, He sent his son. It was the beginning of the end of our separation with God. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we remember this time. Uh, Linus on the peanuts and I will now read to you not Linus, he's not coming on the screens, but this is what he read in the Christmas special for Charlie Brown. It's Luke chapter two, verse eight. Uh, It tells us in the first few verses that uh, uh, Mary and Joseph were uh, told by decree to go to their place of residence, the county seat if you wanna call it, Bethlehem was theirs. They got there and while they were there, simply says, a child was born. Uh, There was no room for them in the inn, so they put the baby in a manger in a trough that fed the animals. And then it goes on to talk about what happened that night uh, and that's where we get the angels and their story. And in the same region, it says they were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Everybody say, no, duh. Yeah, no, I mean, can you imagine, you're just minding your own business, you're at your job, you're kinda just you know, halfway through your shift, and all of a sudden, an angel appears in your office, or in your truck as you're doing your route, or whatever it is that you do, uh, you're, you're gonna have a, a fair amount of fear as well. We are, we are reactionary that way as human beings. Uh, circumstances dictate our responses. I know this because it's Christmas time and I live up near the mall. Uh, I was driving there yesterday uh, into the mall entrance to meet a kid, a okay, kid, he's a man now, uh, uh, but uh, my buddy Reese and I were having lunch and just gonna talk about God together, but I was running just a little bit late and I was sitting at the light, and can I just make a request? It, please stop looking at your phones, people, when you're driving. Can you do that for me? God bless you all, but that light's green and I'm late. I gotta go. And in that circumstance, uh, I started to elicit a response. Anybody ever done this? It was, uh, praise God, It was it was godly in nature. It didn't, cross lines, sometimes they may, uh, but our circumstances dictate our responses. And we're going to talk more about how the circumstances of our life and even of this story should dictate our responses. Well, the angel's going to cover it. Let's, let's cover what he says. It says in the next verse, the angel that was freaking this, uh, these shepherds out, he says to them, hey man, relax. Fear not. Fear not. For behold, uh, this isn't a scary thing. I bring you, what's it say? Good news. This is a, this is a good thing. Uh, good news that is is going to elicit a response in you. What's the good news going to bring? Great joy. I mean, you're not going to believe this. This is good, and it's not this kind of scary stuff. I know I'm kind of freaky as an angel. I don't show up every time, but uh, the things that I have to share with you, they're going to bring joy, not just to you, but to people around the world for the next thousands of years until Jesus comes back. This is the great, no- great joy elicitor. Uh, it's going to be for everybody. He says, simply, the information, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, verse 12, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Good news, eliciting a response of great joy. Now watch what happens next. One of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Suddenly, what bam out of nowhere, like people jumping out from behind their, uh, your couches at your surprise birthday party. Anybody ever had one of those? You're just walking in, hi, honey, hard day. Surprise! Hey! hey. You go all ninja on them, right? But I mean, if this angel, this one angel showing up was you know, a cause for freak out, uh, now it says, and suddenly there was an angel, or with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. You know what the multitude, that word there means, too many to count. Lots of scholars that I read this uh, week as, as I was preparing for this sermon think that every angel, I don't know if what you picture when you picture the Christmas story. Maybe you've got cards before and it says, you know, glory to God in the highest and, and it's just this picture of an angel choir and they're all, you know, uh, just kinda hanging out with their choral books and their wings are flapping and it's very serene, silent. No, that's not what happened at all. Every angel in existence, I believe, showed up at the announcement of the birth of Christ And they were fussing it. They were bringing it. They were rejoicing because this good news elicited great joy. They praised God and it says, to be fair, the Greek word there actually says, and they said, but most of the time we think of this as a song. It could have been a rap, I don't know, maybe it was like a rap, I don't know. But here's their words and this is where we're gonna spend our, our month as we talk. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Uh, the King James, which is probably the version of the, this verse that you see on your cards if you get Christmas cards with this on it, or, or maybe your grandma's decorations, the King James version says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now those three phrases are going to kind of you know build this series, glory to God in the highest. We're going to talk about the day. That today, peace on earth. Talk about that next time we get together. Uh, Goodwill towards men, talk about that on Christmas Eve. You gotta be here for all of them. But as we start today, let's talk about uh, what they started with. Isn't it interesting? I find it so interesting. That once the information had been dispensed, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. The next thing on the docket for every, I believe, every angel in existence was not implication, but celebration. They didn't go from information to implication, they paused for celebration. Here at this grandest of occasions, in the history of creation, the angels whooped it up a little bit. Not just a little bit, a lot. And they could hardly contain themselves. I mean the sound had to go way beyond what IMAX or any other theater could produce. It was raucous as they sang. Glory to God in the highest. Some people, that's a weird phrase for us in English. Glory to God in the highest, like God's way up there, like, you know, when we point the man upstairs, you know, and all that. Is that what we mean when we say glory to God in the highest? He's up there? No. That word highest modifies glory. What they were saying is the highest praise that we can give is what we give to our God right now. The highest glory, the loudest, most ecstatic praise. That's what our God deserves. I went to a, an event the other night. It'd be so weird if, if we, if we weren't a, a, like we understand celebration. We love to celebrate. Do you like to celebrate? Well, you like, like when good things happen? Do you, do you like to respond with some great joy? Yeah. I, I went to a, an event uh, Friday night with my wife Eleanor. Eleanor's the, uh, the executive director of, a, of a, a non-profit organization in our community. And uh, she, she was uh, blessed with the opportunity uh, to do some uh, fundraising at a thing called uh, Fast Pitch. It's like Shark Tank. anybody seen that show? It's like Shark Tank for nonprofits. You can go in, and and they basically do these social enterprises where they're trying to earn money for their for their nonprofit uh, through the things that you know they're donated and stuff like that. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but but basically, from 60 organizations, they narrowed the field to 14. Eleanor was one of the 14, and she got to get up and do a three minute spiel in front of this panel of judges down at uh, University of Tampa in their whatever hall, and. Uh, it was a pretty big to-do, right? Uh, uh, it, was, it was fun to be Eleanor's husband. It was cool. And just no one know me. And I just kind of hung out and wore my Echo t-shirt and I just rooted on my wife. Well, she got up and did her pitch. I'm not going to lie. She nailed it. I mean, it was just awesome. And, and uh, she's my wife, but I'm a, I'm a paid communicator. I know good communication when I see it. And she nailed it, all right? But she was first. She, she won the draw. And uh, she got to go first, and she was all like, oh, no, I'm going to be first. No, judges aren't going to remember what I said. All the other, you know, it took like two and a half hours for everybody else to talk. But anyway, she went first, and then it came time for award the, the prizes. First prize was like, you know, Miss Congeniality. You know? Uh, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming. I, I don't know. It was, uh, they had an award for, uh, you know, audiences. You could, you know, on your phone, text your favorites, and the people who brought the most people, you know, in the audience, they won that one, right? Ah, oh, duh. Uh, but then they had third, second, and thir- it, it, so it third place happened, Second place happened. Eleanor hadn't been called yet. And so I'm sitting there thinking, why not us, right? And then they said the name of her organization and her name and something weird happened inside of me. <laughs> While everybody else was clapping and screaming in the same t-shirts that I was wearing, I walked straight up to the stage and I, you know, as Eleanor was holding the, you know, the big golf check or whatever, I said, honey, this is so great, let's talk about how we're gonna spend this money. I mean, there's, there's a, a fair amount of responsibility that comes with winning you know, $25,000 for your organization. It's, 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 a, it's a big deal and we need to get right to the implications of you receiving this award. Is that what I did? Okay, some of you are like new and you're like, is that what he really did? He's, he's a jerk. I don't like this guy. We, when does First Baptist start? We gotta get out of here. You wanna know what I did? I barely remember, because when I heard her name, everything kind of went blank. I shot up out of my seat, threw my hands up in the air, and started going all Ric Flair on this thing. Woo! I just kept yelling, woo! Over and over again, in the backs of the heads of the people who had coached her through this thing. They were very refined lawyers from, you know, their temple. going, yeah, what's going on? And I finally had to say, I'm her husband, it's okay. There was raucous joy. We love that stuff. I would even dare say we live for the good moments. We live to rejoice. It's it's the good in life. So no wonder when the angels heard what God had done. No wonder as his information was being dispensed. They, They got to the implications, yeah, there's gonna be peace on earth, yeah. God's favor is going to rest on those uh, that that He, you know, that, that choose Him and prefer Him. But yeah, those are all the great implications of the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's not lose those at Christmas, but let's start with rejoicing, with His glory, with a celebration. You know, basically, here's what I'm saying: with us and God, with us in God, it should always be worship first and then mission with us and God, in everything that we do. Listen, do we have things that we're called to do as a church, absolutely. Are we on a mission? You, You better believe it, we are on a mission. Are we in a war? Spiritually speaking, absolutely. There's stuff out there that needs addressing, that needs done. But when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, the first thing on our docket always is the glory of God in the highest. Worship of the one true God is what fuels the rest. You wanna know why churches decline and why Christians fade away and fall away? It's not for lack of hopefully good teaching, it's not for lack of of, of understanding the mission, it's not for lack of of having a a clear picture of, of what we're supposed to do, it's lack of zeal, lack of excitement, lack of awe, lack of worship. John Piper uh, our our, our uh, elder board decided to read some books on uh, missions just so we can kind of form our opinions on a deeper level and so we read a book by a guy named John Piper. I encourage you to read it if you get a chance. It's called Let the Nations Be Glad. I read it when I was in seminary like 25 years ago. Ever read a book a long time ago and you kind of have the gist, you know what's going on in it, but, uh, but then you, you read it again and you're like, oh, I totally forgot that was in there. And and this is what I read on on page 35 of this book as as we talk about worship being first. John, who is talking about the importance of the church reaching uh, all the peoples of the world for Jesus Christ, he says, listen, before we talk about missions, understand this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. He says worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. The church doesn't exist for the lost, The church exists for the glory of God. And the reason we go and reach the lost is because lost people aren't worshiping God. He says, when this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Missions is gonna come to an end. We're on a clock, people. The game may almost be over. Jesus might come back today. Lord, come on. Missions will end. Worship won't. He says missions is temporary. It's a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. He says worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of the church's mission. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white, hot enjoyment of God's glory. It's the the goal of missions or, or the goal of missions, I'm sorry, is the gladness of people in the greatness of God. He quotes in the book Psalm 97 where it says this, it says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice and let the many coastlands be glad. You, you can see verses like that all through the Psalms and even through uh, the Old and New Testaments in, in several places. It talks about the sovereignty of God, it talks about God being in control, it, and it talks about his aim is the the, the that the earth rejoicing or glorifying or praising him. With us and God, it's always worship first, and then mission. You ever, you ever wondered why God created creation? ever pondered that question? Why did God, I mean, God's existing in eternity, uh, but he decides one day in his infinite wisdom and, and uh, you know, creativity to say, you know what, let's make things. And he and the Holy Spirit and and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit get together and creation happens. Read Genesis chapter one. Ever wonder why he does creation? Why does God create? Is he bored? Does God ever get bored? Some of you are like, I don't know, does he? (laughs) Answer, no. God is completely fulfilled and content in himself. There's nothing that God can create that can make him feel better about him because he is that awesome. He's not bored. Was God lonely? God wanted to create some people who could hang out with him. No, God wasn't lonely. He, he, listen, God exists, this is a little bigger story, but God exists three in one. He exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect union, perfect relationship. He wasn't lonely. And we know from other parts of scripture that God doesn't need us. Careful about elevating mankind. I mean, we are loved by God, and that gives us value, but beyond that, God God doesn't need us. It says in in Acts chapter 17 that God doesn't reside in boxes or temples built by man's hand, and he doesn't need mankind. He loves them. He loves us, but he doesn't need us. We sing a song in here. I gotta make sure you understand it. There's a song that we sing, Beautiful Name. It's on the radio. One of the verses says, "Uh, you didn't want heaven without us, so uh, Jesus, you brought heaven down. Anybody, if you sing that song in here, don't think that uh, Jesus was gonna be worried about being by himself in heaven, and that's why I died on the cross for you. Uh, Jesus in his sovereignty, God in his sovereignty said, you know what, uh, man sinned, we need to bring him back into right relationship with us, and in our mercy and our grace, we are going to do something about that. Christmas, Easter, salvation, right? Not because he needed us, Not because he was lonely, but because in his sovereignty and in his mercy, he loved us. Yeah, the the creation thing happened not because God was bored or because he was lonely. It happened because he wanted to bring himself glory. He wanted to create so that his glory would be manifest in his creation. And in fact, every time he finished a day of creation, ever read Genesis chapter one? What's it say, uh, you know, uh, God's observation was? I'll tell you, at the end of every day it says, and God saw that it was good. God says, yep, that's just like me. That's good. That's just how, that's just how it should be. It's good, it glorifies me as the God, the omnipotent. The highest in creation. Do you know the angel sang then as well? It tells us in Job chapter 38 as God's beginning to address some of Job's doubts. If you know the story of Job, lots of bad things happen to him. And it takes a whole book for Job to kind of start questioning God and wondering what he's up to and uh, doubting him in some way. And so God, when these doubts come up, finally starts saying, hey Job, can I ask you some questions? He's gonna help Job remember uh, uh, who God is and who Job is. And so here's how he starts in chapter 38 of Job. He says. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you at creation? Were you there? I was. I made you and everything that is. Were you a part of that? He says, tell me if you have any understanding. He goes on he says, who determined the earth's measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? He goes on and he says, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, were you there? You know what God did? He just, he just told us where the angels were at creation. They were hanging out with them. They existed as created beings before us, and, and so as God was creating the morning stars, a poetic Hebrew term for angels, uh, the sons of God, another term, uh, were hanging out there in glory, and they were like, well, let's sing, fellas. Like God would get it at the end of every day and say, man, this is good, and the angels would be like, yes, that's good. Probably better than that, but you get, the, you get the idea. We know the angels are gonna sing uh, forever in eternity, but they already are. Because when John in Revelation chapter five, if you go to the other end of your Bible, has this vision and he's able to see the throne room of God, uh, he's up there with uh, the angels and the 24 elders and I don't have time to get into all those symbols and who those people are, but, uh, but basically there's this big party happening in the throne room of God and the angels are singing about the worthiness of the lamb that is slain. You go to Isaiah chapter six, verse three, and another picture of the, uh, uh, the throne room of heaven. Uh, there's the angel saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. The joy of the Lord elicits this response. For the angels, it's song. And they extol their God with praises. Glory to God in the highest. That's how Christmas is meant to start, proceed, and finish with an emphasis on the glory of our God. So that brings me kind of to a pivot in this sermon. As we talk about worship here at Christmas, uh, my question for us is how is our worship going? And some of you, when I ask that question, immediately go to the instruments and the style of songs and Brad is the leader and what's going on because you thought you think about the worship. Usually when Christians go to church, they talk about the worship. They talk about styles and song choice. I didn't ask you about the worship. I asked you about your worship. In fact, I would say this to you. When you come to church, instead of spending a lot of time talking about the worship, which is fine and due and we need to evaluate those things, I would rather you spend way more time thinking about your worship. Because sure, we need to do the best we can and whatever we're leading with. But the ultimate goal of us singing songs at church is not the worship, it's your worship and my worship. And we need to come in here and ask the question, how's my worship? Am I lifting up God with the highest of praise? Or am I in here focusing on what happened before I got to church or where I'm gonna eat? Once I leave. Am I in here thinking about the people in the crowd rather than the one that the songs adore? How's my worship? I came in uh, Tuesday morning to my office. There was a book on my desk. These things don't miraculously appear. Uh, So I had to do some bird docking to find out who put it there. My assistant Tammy did. Um, But before I found out who, uh, you ever done this? You see a book and you just start reading it? Anybody ever done that? I was, I was encouraged to read this one because it's super thin. Don't you love the thin books? <laughs> I'm like, I can probably knock that out in a couple hours. You know, it's, it's, It fits nicely on the back of your toilet. It's a great book, right? <laughs> and so I, I sit down and I start reading this book and I, I didn't stop until I was done. Just kept reading it. It's uh, called Holy Roar. It's written by a guy named Chris Tomlin who's responsible for a lot of the modern worship music that you and I sing. Uh, and it's another guy that uh, is a pastor in uh, Nashville named Darren Whitehead. And uh, I'm going to totally rip it off for the last part of my sermon. I hope you're cool with that. You can go and read it if you want. I uh, uh, encourage you to do so, but I'm going to basically tell you what it says in so many words. And it talks about worship. It talks about worship from uh, the perspective of uh, the seven Old Testament words that are used in Hebrew to describe praise, but we translate in English just simply Praise. I don't know if you know this about your Bibles, but they were written uh, predominantly in Hebrew and in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, and when it comes to translating languages, English doesn't always have as many words for a certain thing as other languages, so we'll just lump it all into one. So like like love, in the New Testament, there's four different Greek words that mean love, storge, phileo, uh, eros, and agape, the one we, usually talk about is this Greek word agape, which is God's unconditional love, but there's also eros, which is kind of erotic or or romantic or uh, romance love, and then there's uh, phileo, which is brotherly love, and then there's storge, which is basically you know like, you know, like natural love. And so in the English language, we use the word love to talk about Chipotle, (laughs) which I love. But we also use love to talk about our spouses. And then we use the same word love to talk about our God. And I, you know, I think they're all in the same family of, of words, but they certainly should mean different things as we say them, right? On well, the Old Testament, when it comes to the word praise, there's seven words that are translated in the Old Testament as our English word praise. And I think our understanding of worship will be expanded if we understand what these actual words mean. So let me talk, I'm not gonna get through all seven, some of you are like seven, we're gonna be here all day. I'm just gonna talk through the four that I like the most, here they come, you ready? The first one is this, the word yada, not yada, 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 Seinfeld fans. It's a different Hebrew word, yada. Yada means to, uh, refers to our worship with extended hands, to hold out our hands to throw a stone or an arrow. A couple different times it talks about, you know, people chucking uh, weapons in war, uh, but, but most of the time it, it means to, to lift up your hands. And some of you are like, oh no. He's gonna talk about me raising my hands in songs. This is a non-starter, we're not doing it. Because we grew up how we grew up and that's for the weirdos down front. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back for a reason. I don't want to be involved in this kind of chicanery. You preach all you want about my hands going up, but they're staying right here. 111 times in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people are commanded by God to stick them up. That's what we think of when we think of our hands going up. We're getting robbed. But in the Hebrew, it means listen. If you're going to worship the one true God, this is your posture. Some of us were like, Mark, it's just not natural. Liars, liars, liars. Your hands go up for all kinds of stupid stuff. When I was sitting in that thing on Friday night, my first move was bend the knees straight and then these shot up. Woo! I didn't even think about it. They just went up. I get on a roller coaster and I start hearing the click, 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 click. They don't, I don't think about it. These are going up. This is what you do when you enjoy a roller coaster if you're really a roller coaster rider. (laughs) Some of you were at football games this weekend. Or you've been to some sporting event somewhere and your team scored. You didn't stand up and do what people do at church. Song's over. (laughs) Oh, you laugh, listen. We laugh, and I'm glad we can laugh, because I think God enjoys our joy. But I grew up in the churches that did this as we sang the praises of our God. Unfortunately, I still pastor a church where some very fine Christian men and women that I know love the Lord, choose to spend their time As the worship is going on, either standing there doing this or sitting out in our foyer or timing it just right so that you can get here when the talking begins. And I want to throw a flag on that. because there is no higher cause in creation than the worship of our God. There is nothing more worthy of your time, and you could talk to me about your marriages and your children and your jobs and careers and everything that matters to you, and I say, hey, good on you, God bless you, he gave you all those things, how about giving him some praise? How about honoring him with your best? We'll do this for a roller coaster, and we'll do this for our God. Now listen, before I get too far, I'm not telling you you gotta raise your hands in worship. In fact, if you raise your hands and worship because I told you to, it doesn't count. Because you'll stand there. <sighs> They're getting tired. You don't do for God because you've got to. You do for God because you get to. We talk about that all the time. And the Christian life that thrives and is vibrant is the get to Christian life. The Christian life that dies and wanes is the got to Christian life. So don't do it because I told you. But if you'd never lift your hands, can I just ask you to ask yourself a question? Why? Why? Well, it's too weird. The word of God tells you to. Well, I I obey the other parts. (laughs) I'm not emotional. Uh, I, I grew up in a different context, different culture. Is it possible that maybe the culture that we grew up in was a little too reserved, a little too dignified? a little too focused on what everybody else is thinking as opposed to focused on the glory and the grandeur of an awesome God. I'll confess, I've stood down in the front as I've worshiped, and uh, there have been times where I've felt my hands going up, that I'm thinking, wait a minute. Here's my, I'm plagued both ways, you ready? I think sometimes if I put my hands in the air, people are gonna look at me, and uh, uh, they're they're gonna see my hands in the air, and they're gonna think that they put their hands, but the whole time that messaging is going off in my head, who am I not focusing on? God, who am I focused on? You guys. I'm not here worshiping you guys. You're nice, but you're not worthy of my praise. But I spend my time thinking about you guys. I spend my time worrying about how it's going to look, not being one of those weirdos who gets way into this stuff. If that's your, and and sometimes we, we, you know, kind of, Make it sound better, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to, but all of those things are here focused. Do, you, do we understand that when we worship, audience of one, you're not here for any of me or any of us, any, I mean, just when you sing praises to God, it's him and you and whatever he leads you to do. The second word is, is kind of like the first word, yada. It says, let me give you the verse, I got way ahead of myself. It says, let the peoples of praise, here in uh, Psalm 67, uh, let the peoples praise, yada you, O God, and let all the peoples praise you. Lots of different times, 111 times in the Psalms, it says yada, but um, (laughs) there's another word that talks about lifting hands, and it's todah. Everybody say todah. It means an extension of the hand, a confession, a sacrifice of praise. It it talks about thanksgiving. It talks about uh, thanksgiving specifically for things not yet received, it says in Psalm 56, verse 11, in God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? It says in verse 12, vows made to you uh, are, are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises, todah, to you. When it comes to worshiping you, God, I'm gonna yada, and I'm gonna todah, because you are the keeper of promises. You are the one in whom I can trust. Ever gotten to church and uh, your life has gotten way out of hand? I have, I've stood here in recent months and uh, as my kids make choices and as things go on in my life, I hit the front pew as I'm ready to worship and I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna preach today but I don't know what I'm gonna do after that when it comes to this situation or this situation. And there have been times where I've stood and uh, as I've sung the songs and reconnected with the truth that's in them, uh, I've been reminded, God, you've got me. Great is your faithfulness. You can move mountains. I can't do this, but I'm grateful that you can. You know what? This Toda, Yada is YAY! Toda is Help. Help. I'm trusting you and your promises. I'm believing by faith that you know, even though I don't. First time I raised my hands. Uh, I was a high schooler, I I wasn't at church service, I was listening to an Amy Grant song on my Walkman. I wasn't, some of you are like, Amy Grant, really, shame. I I didn't listen to a lot of Christian music back then, but uh, my sister had an Amy Grant tape, and for whatever reason, there was this one song on the Amy Grant album uh, called Jehovah, and I just loved that song. It went, Jehovah, I love you so, and Jesus, I want you to know all that you've done for me to set me free, I'll never let you go. And when when I got to the chorus, of that song, I don't know. It's the power of music. Does anybody understand the power of music? Anybody got a favorite band and all of a sudden, it's moving you and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. When I got, when I got to, the, to the chorus of that song, I'm laying on my back as a sophomore in high school and I don't know what happened, but I'm just laying on my back, my hands went up. I was a sophomore in high school. I was going through high school. There were a few things that were beyond my control. But as I heard the praises of Jehovah, and that he would never let me go. I spiritually and instinctually just raised my hands to him and said, yep, here I am, don't let go. Here I am, take me. I wish I'd stayed in this posture, went through a lot of high school and college. But God wants us to yada and toda. He wants us to halal. The word halal means to to boast or to rave to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, to get a little undignified. Halal is where we get the word hallelujah. Ever said that one? It's the ecstatic, uh, cut-loose praise of God. It says in Psalm 149, let them praise halal his name with dancing. Some of you are like, hold on, Mark, hold on. I grew up angry Baptist. That's not what we do. They did. The Hebrews danced in praise to God. They made melodies to him with tambourines, with lyres. The the book of Psalms itself, the last verse in the book of Psalms, Psalm 150 verse six says, let everything that has breath halal the Lord. Praise the Lord, halal the Lord. It's like like the writer of Psalms, the organizer of Psalms says you know what, if we're gonna leave this 150 chapter book and, and we're gonna finish this hymnal, how are we gonna finish it? We'll finish it with the one thing that matters. It's the whole theme of the book. Praise Halal the Lord. Worship him, lift him up. I want to encourage you. And I know we're all over the map here as far as our spiritual development. Some of us are brand new. Some of us haven't started yet. Glad to have you, okay? But some of us have been doing this for a long time. You've been Christians since you were kids. And you're still kinda, you know, just for the most part, going through the motions in your faith. You're good. You're you're honoring to God, you're doing your best. But there's, listen, I, I believe that until we go to see Jesus, there's more. There's always more, there's always something deeper in this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And for some of us, that next frontier may be our worship and us letting go just a little bit. I'm not saying go crazy and start chewing on a chair or something like that, I'm just saying, let yourself go in your awe and honor of God. Get a little halal up in here. Don't worry so much about, I don't know what you're worried about. Don't be distracted by the stuff that distracts you from God. When it comes to God and your worship of him, just let it rip. We do it all the time. Has anybody tasted something that was delicious? Something happens to us. It's anatomical. We put something good in our mouths and we make noises that we never make. Mmm. I've had food hit my lips and I start chewing it and I start doing this, right? And I might do a turn, oh, I do a celebratory dance over ribs. <laughs> we do it all the time. When we get excited about things, we react. But when it comes to our God, I don't know, it's just mundane for us sometimes. <laughs> Does everybody understand how contra-reaction, contra-appropriate reaction that that is? We're singing about the glory. Listen, we sing songs that have, we stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is in our strength. And we sing it like this. The joy doesn't show in our faces. It doesn't show in our praises. And we let another opportunity for us to take 20 minutes to tell God how great he is, slip by. Because we'd rather check the scores from last night's games. We'd rather finish our bagel than worship our God. We'd prefer to sleep in an extra half an hour because it's just easier when we're not having to fight the traffic in the parking lot. Are you kidding me? God is so much bigger than we understand. He's so much more worthy than we give him credit. And we leave him here every week, some of us, like he doesn't matter at all. This cannot be in this church. It cannot be in the life of someone who's been transformed by the glory of our Savior. It can't be, it can't be the status quo in someone who says that they're a Christian. It's just not congruent. <laughs> the last word is this. Barack, not Obama, stay with me. <laughs> Barack means to kneel. It means to bless God as an act of adoration, and to praise and to salute and thank Him. You know, for every act of halal and yada and todah, uh, there's, there's those songs that we sing that kind of slow us down and we get into those those modes those vibes were like you know what apart from you like the bible says i really can't do nothing and and we're so i don't know about you but i get so humbled by who god is that my head just has to go down not because i'm ashamed but because he is awesome it talks about Barak here in, in this passage in uh psalm 72 it says yes all kings shall fall down before him everybody's It tells us later in Scripture that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? The psalmist says all nations are going to serve him. He shall live, and he shall live forever and ever. That's Christmas. And the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Who's Sheba? Sheba was one of the richest uh, nations on the planet when the psalm was written. He says all of Bill Gates' money, all of Tim Cook's money, all of Warren Buffett's money, Every, everything that is seen of worth and value here on the earth, it's going straight to God. He says prayers also will be made for him continually and daily shall he be Barak. He'll be praised. When we consider our king, certainly there are moments where we should be yada, toda. There should be halal. But there should be in our hearts, and maybe even in our postures, Barak. Oh, woe to the person who passively dismisses a great God. You know, I, I think there should be more kneeling, more praising, more excitement over our God. In fact, I, I will tell you this, I agree with John Piper. That's the fuel. Like, we can talk about mission. In fact, we're going to get to the new year, and I'm going to ramp it up again and get you hopefully all excited about the things that God has in store for us as a church. But we can talk about mission left and right. If you don't care about God, you're not gonna do it. When I say care about him, I don't mean you're dutifully gonna respond to him. I mean you love him. You rejoice in him. You don't just tacitly believe in him and go to church. He's at the center of your life. He's the reason not just for this season, but he's the reason for you and your existence and for everything that you are and everything then that you do, he's our fuel. Worship is at the center of this deal, so we're gonna worship. I'm gonna try to play you a jangly campfire song here. We're gonna worship our king. If you wanna raise your hands, go ahead. If you don't, please don't do it because I just told you to. But if in your heart God is worthy of your roller coaster ride let them let them see it if in your life you're broken right now and you need help raise your hand and receive the help that only god can give if you've always been understand that hallelujah means raucous praise give him what he is due and if if you're here this morning and you're just humbled by the fact listen I, i think it'd be great if we were a church that You know, people, as they were led by the Spirit, just turned around and knelt at their chairs and took the time to sing the songs with their faces on the ground because the God that they serve is just that holy and that worthy of our fealty. Will you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us. It's a simple prayer. It goes like this. Lord, you made us we are your creation you made us so that we would glorify you even if that seems weird and foreign to us because we've never heard about this that we understand from your word that's exactly why we're here for no other reason except to bring you the glory that you're due so god would you lead each heart in this room to a place of surrender so that lord in our lives you're first you get our highest praise glory to God in the highest glory to God in the highest glory to God